Come along with us as we explore the broad world of preservation and the work being done to preserve, interpret, and save our past in a 21st century world. From aquaculture to historic foodways to forensic modeling, we're talking weekly with experts from across the globe. This is your host, Nick Redding. Welcome to PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. And today we are excited to be joined not only by a great preservationist, but a new member of the Preservation Maryland team for a PreserveCast episode that is going to be altogether a little different and sort of fun. Um, We are joined by Christiana Limniatis, who is our new preservation program and outreach manager at Preservation Maryland. She comes to us from upstate New York, where she previously worked at Preservation Buffalo Niagara. Uh, And uh, we're excited to talk today about something, as we said, a little bit fun, which is we're going to be talking about preservation on the silver screen all of these great preservation-themed movies, which is a topic near and dear to her heart and something that is fun for us and as Preservation Maryland members know, which is what powers PreserveCast, we previously did a drive-in movie event uh, and showed some of the movies that we're going to be talking about. So we love the movies, and uh, this will be, uh, I'm sure we'll have her back on many times to talk about unique and interesting aspects of preservation. But before we do all of that, we love to get to know people. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up and how'd you get into preservation? Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me, Nicholas. I'm very happy to be here. Um, so I've been in preservation since undergrad of college. I'm from Albany, New York, originally. Um I think that I've always been in love with preservation as a kid. um, I'm super Greek. We owned a diner, so my dad never closed it for more than one day. So we only ever took day trips to explore upstate New York. And we really focused on going to a lot of historic house museums and stuff. So that was definitely my entryway into it. And then just kind of expanded from there. Um, and like you said, I, I think that I've always kind of gravitated to the weird ways that preservation has become part of our, our culture. Because I think that as an industry, we always focusing on how we have to explain to people why preservation is important and teach them from zero of, of what we do and why it's important. But really, truly, there is always kind of this preservation theme and thread in so much of our pop culture that we just kind of forget about it. We don't, it's just so integrated in it that we don't even notice it. So I do love collecting the different movies and books and TV shows that actually are about preservation. <laughs> yeah, this could be like a, a new a new uh, mini series for PreserveCast um, <laughs> where we talk about preservation pop culture. Um, so there are like a host of like preservation movies and we could talk about them in a lot of different ways. And instead of framing this or making this too formal, we're just going to dive in and talk about some of our favorite preservation movies and I suppose why they are preservation movies. So um, I'm not familiar with one where the whole focus is preservation or like, or am I, I wrong? I okay, well, let's, <laughs> let's let's start there then. Uh, we'll start up. I was going to start with a different one, but let's go straight to the one that's literally straight up about preservation. Okay. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called 
two weeks notice. It is a delightful, albeit slightly misogynistic rom-com from the early 2000s, as most rom-coms from that era were. Uh, It stars Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant. And it's, you know, a quirky uh, opposites attract kind of movie. But the whole reason they are opposites is that Sandra Bullock is trying to save her beloved community center in, uh, in, I think it's Queens or Brooklyn, somewhere in New York City from being demolished. And Hugh Grant is the big bad developer who is going to, who's trying to demolish it to build a big skyscraper building. Um, so they, the movie literally opens up to her standing in front of a wrecking ball of a historic theater, reading the constitution to the construction workers. And she eventually gets arrested. Um, so the entire premise of this movie is that she starts working for him as part of the agreement that he won't tear down the building, um, obviously hilarity ensues and spoiler alert they fall in love but it's all because she's trying to save her community center from getting demolished and do we know if sandra bullock is a true blue preservationist i do believe so uh for a time i used to live in new orleans and she actually owned a house just a couple blocks from me and it's a beaut i think she still owns it um a beautiful victorian era mansion and she keeps it up very well so yes i do think that she probably has a a a personal appreciation of our historic built environment. Maybe a future guest for PreserveCast. I think we should definitely add that. I mean, we should get her, get her in. I mean, she's, you know, if she's got some time. I'm sure that she has time. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So that's like a, like legit preservation movie. The whole focus is preservation. Yeah. Let's bounce around to some of your, your favorites. Let's, let's talk like, like what's what's top of mind? Like one that you just absolutely adore and is so preservationy. Um, Goonies, a classic film for us Gen Xers and early millennials, our elder millennials. Um, you know, obviously the plot is that they have to go on search of this long lost pirate treasure and battle mobsters along the way. But the reason they need to go find that money is because their their town is going to be demolished to build, I think it's a golf course. Um, and there are several monologues from the kids themselves about how important their town is to them and how wonderful their community is and that sense of place. And they're goonies and they got to stick together. And so they need to find the money to stop this project from happening. Um, So again, that is so based in preservation and and galvanizing the youth to to support the preservation of our historic built environment. I like the the phrase, right, is Goonies never say die, right? So is it is our new catchphrase preservation never says die? I mean, it's a little downery i'm sure we could tweak that a little bit we'll work on it but we'll work on it but goonies never allow demolition certainly <laughs> right yeah no that's that's clear um all right so we've got we've got a rom-com we've got a kids uh adventure coming of age story um where we got we a horror movie all right let's let's let's, let's go horror all right so Candyman. <laughs> There's several, uh, there was the original Candyman in I think the late 80s, early 90s, and then there were a couple subsequent like sequels or whatnot that kind of diverged from the topic. Um, but recently there was a an updated version of Candyman that was set in present day Chicago. Um, the whole premise of Candyman is that there is the Candyman who had been wronged in his past life. He was um, 
an African-American artist and he was targeted and, and lynched. That's the whole premise of it. And his his body is buried on what eventually becomes the grounds of public housing uh, complex in, in a Pruitt-Igo uh, housing comp, uh, public housing comp, uh, campus, I can't speak today, um, in Chicago. And so the more recent updated version of that movie is all about the gentrification of Chicago and, and the, the the damage that that public housing uh, project did in the first place. And then now this trying to revive it and, and how that's impacted the community all while people are getting murdered by the Candyman. Um, so that is definitely, you know, the scariness of, of gentrification and police power and how that can ruin our communities. Um, so definitely on the sinister side of not that preservation is bad, but how preservation can and, and sense of placing and preserving communities in place is a good thing. Because if you don't, the Candyman will come and kill you. Wow. That that could also be like something that we as like a footnote on some of our mailers. Like if you don't do preservation, the Candyman will come and kill you. The Candyman will come and kill you. We've never and tried that, but there's also kind of a side to it that it's not just that he's like avenging, but it's also that he's murdering to kind of keep it for the community. That like if there's all these scary murders happening, then these gentrifying you know, upper class white people aren't going to want to come here right. because then they'll be victim to this curse. So it's yeah. also kind of a word of warning that let our community be here and be for our community. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't think we would go horror. I was yeah. trying to think of other horror ones. Halloween has a little bit of a preservation message when they head to the cemetery Oh, right. And 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 Michael Myers has 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 uh, sort of uh, destroyed a headstone, but the they think the locals think that it's just kids messing with the cemetery, and they say, "Why do they do this? Why must they do this to the cemeteries?" And See, I mean, so, if they had good uh, management plans in place and yeah. and te and technicians ready to be able to do those repairs, they would understand that this was well beyond children doing it. This yeah. was certainly something more serious. Yeah, and so it's a case for good documentation. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so we're going to leave the world of horror, and yes. we're headed... We're going to take a 180 to... Where are we going? To Bedford Falls? Yeah, let's do some feel-good... I feel good movies, Bedford Falls. It's a wonderful life. I just found out that it's one of your favorite movies. I would say my favorite movie. And I would say that Jimmy Stewart is my favorite actor. Interesting. I mean, why? How does that how does the movie resonate with you, Nicholas? Well, I I think not only do I do I love the sort of the preservation message and the everyman of Jimmy Stewart, but I also beyond this whole preservation piece that we're talking about, I think that, you know, it's the reminder that, in fact, I have it on my wall over here. I'm looking at it. <laughs> Dear George, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Excellent. And I think that that what a what a powerful takeaway um, and an interesting movie in that, you know, it was sort of seen at the time as almost like propaganda. Right. That, <laughs> um, you know, that that uh, 
this this guy that that friends was the thing that mattered and he was kind of fighting back against mr potter and right crass capitalism and all that sort of thing so that's right. interesting so it, it's not a it's not about a, a specific location like the one the movies that we just talked about it's really about that sense of place and how intertwined people and community are into our built environment and how symbiotic that relationship is and you know if we change or remove or alter one of those factors, there is that domino effect and how it impacts and and it could be good and it could be bad, but that we have to as preservationists, our lesson takeaway from It's a Wonderful Life is that we need to fully understand that context and that significance of what it is that we're working with so that we don't come in and you know, try to make certain things happen or change certain things that actually are very key to this community and integral to that community being in charge of their own preservation destiny. Right. And for preservationists who care about housing and affordable housing, a great yes. story because uh, is it is it too much to ask that people could live in a, in a decent home? At least George Bailey's father didn't think so. It is not too much to ask. Right. But, <laughs> but, but for, for Mr. Potter... It was. It, it was. It was. It galled him. That's what. That's what Jimmy said. It galled him because he couldn't get his fingers on it. Oof. No, we need the people to be in charge of their own lives yeah, and their own resources. Yeah. <laughs> and I think also sort of an interesting, you know, little side note here: a community development story in that the original CDC Bailey Brothers Building and Loan, the lo- <laughs> the local lender, right. right, who makes sort of sub market loans. They 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 go below interest rates, right? I mean, so it's not so, always so, about turning a profit. It's right. about supporting that community. It's not just the benefits aren't just in on your checkbook in the account. It's having those happy, healthy families and communities and businesses being able to stay where they want to be and where they have been. It was the original property redevelopment program. It really, really is. We could do a whole episode just on I mean, it's that's a wonderful. A whole other thing and I was, as I was telling you, yes, it's true. For those who have heard, I do have a handmade "You're Now in Bedford Falls" sign that I put up during the holiday season in front of my house. That's pretty serious. It is. That's that's next level dedication to a film. All right, so let's. Keep but it's talking. a great message. You keep talking film. So where are we headed from Bedford Falls to? Um, let's go a little bit more musical and goofy comedy wise. Uh, the Blues Brothers, American classic comedy, Jim Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, uh, obviously amazing actors and musicians. The reason they go on this days long musical shenanigans is because they're trying to raise the money to save their orphanage that they grew up in that was the center of their lives that made them the men they are today. Uh, they're, it's going to be closed because of back taxes. Um, and I don't think they actually specifically mention it, but it's sort of insinuated that if they don't pay the taxes, it's going to get demolished. Um, so here they are, a resource that was incredibly significant and influential to them going on that that journey to raise that money to save it from impending doom. And then we got all of that amazing music out of it and decades of, of, of comedy is associated with it. Yes. And all the little quotes and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. The back taxes thing again, man. It's like they, they could have used Bailey Brothers building and loan they to get a decent loan. Could have. <laughs> you know, they just they you know, the, 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 the predators out there charging those high interest rates, they couldn't 
couldn't resolve those back taxes. And it's a nonprofit organization. It's very difficult for nonprofit organizations to maintain and and stay in their historic homes or historic right. properties. So again, that's another whole conversation there about you know, there's the capitalistic side of preservation and how do we do tax credits and those types of financial incentives. But what is there for those nonprofits that are really the vast majority of them holding up these massive structures in our communities? Our biggest landmarks are almost always owned by nonprofits. We need to have some sort of framework to support them because bank robbing and other shenanigans doesn't cut mm-hmm. it usually but maybe we could like if we got in a pinch we could just start a band i would love that i play yeah. a violin let's do I, that do you play yeah. an instrument i don't i just okay no tambourine for you then yeah or like a okay. glockenspiel or something like that. i don't even know what that is we'll do another episode on it okay um, <laughs> so all right so blues brothers were headed from from the blues brothers to um, let's stay on that same kind of thread of of needing to find the money to save your beloved place. Um, another great, you know, Gen X elder millennial movie, Empire Records. I think I can recite that movie frontwards and backwards. Uh, for those that don't know, Empire Records. It's um, early '90s movie, and it's a uh, a neighborhood, a community uh, record store. And it's about the the staff finds out it's about to be sold off to a, a chain. Uh, record company and that cannot happen because that company is not going to understand how empire is the heart of this community um not just in and the people who come and shop and buy music there and meet their famous favorite former uh washed up uh, teen stars like rex manning um but how important it is to them as staff and how critical it is to their lives so damn the man save the empire let's take over the store and throw a big uh impromptu a street party so that we can buy that the uh, that record company for ourselves, a record store for ourselves. Interesting. So um the 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 whole focus there on on this whole record store thing too. I love that it's kind of like this vintage feel. Um yeah. and now we've come full circle and everybody wants vinyl again. I know and like they could make the thing viable now. Uh, yes, this could definitely happen again. But I think that that's like another conversation about legacy businesses and truly understanding what a walkable community is. It's not just that I can walk easily in my community. It's that all of the types of services I need are within walking distance. And those services are not just banks, post office and grocery store, but these more niche things like to be able to walk and get that music or get that that you know, thing that makes my life improves my daily life. We need to have that variety of services in our neighborhood to be truly walkable. Um, I was just, I, as we were doing this, it, it reminded me thinking of, uh, of older movies. I'm going to throw mm-hmm. one in here. That's, yeah. that's like from left field. I I'm going to, I'm going to put money down that you've never seen it. Okay. It's called going my way. Going my way. 1944 Bing Crosby. Oh man. Never. You Never. Tell it. me everything. Now it's interesting. I had I got this because it was like, you know, like back in the day you would get DVDs and there would be a flip side with another movie. Yes. And it was like, it's a wonderful life. And you also get going my way. Okay. And I was living in a place that didn't have cable at the time, as I was a park ranger, and I was like, oh, I'll just watch this. And so going my way, long story short, uh, it's he has to he's a, he's a Catholic priest. He moves in. He's a young Catholic priest. He has to take over 
um, and for an older Catholic priest and the, the church is in financial woes and there's a loan that's coming due and they're going to lose the church. And so that's he, amazing. <laughs> he writes a song called going my way, going my way. And he, maybe I could sing in our band. Yes, please. And he, uh, he ends up, um, they, 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 they perform this song and they're able to sell the song and get people to come to the church and they're able to reverse their financial woes and save the church. That's an amazing story of preservation success. Yeah. I just, it just triggered. I was thinking like, Oh, she's got so many good ones. Do I have one? And I was like, Oh wait, going my way. And this is like, this is a, this is a deep cut. Right. I'm definitely going to have to pick that up from the library yes. this weekend. Um, and again, brings up a great issue. It's not just that it was a great preservation, you know, fundraising effort and advocacy effort, but to highlight the 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 trouble and the crisis we're in in America of our historic sacred spaces and what to do with them and and their big buildings that require lots of money to keep up. And if we can't write a song to save it, we got to figure out other ways to get that money. Right. Um, but, but that said, if, if you're listening and you need to save a place, come up with a good tune. Yeah. I wish I could be that clever. Yeah. Uh, on the same kind of, uh, more musical things, uh, the Muppets, uh, the Muppets. every Muppet movie has some sort of, thing I was going to say, I was going to say, which one are you going to say? Because one of the more recent ones, like the mid to 2010 or 2012 yeah. Muppets, is the one with one of my favorite Muppet, like bad guy characters, Tex Richman, Mr. Texas T. And he, and like, basically they, they humbly besiege him, right. To save the building. And then the answer is no. Right. They got to raise $10 million to save it. Cause he's going to drill for oil. Yeah. Cause there's so much oil. Tex Richman. And yeah. And, 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 you know, 10 million is a lot for a Muppet. That's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of review shows. You know what I mean? Talk about Bing Crosby writing songs. Like, I mean, that's a lot of dancing and right. for the Muppets to have to come up with 10 I would like a Bing Crosby Muppet mashup. I mean, I'm sure someone has made that on the internet, like spliced together dancing of like Kermit and Piggy, like yeah. ballroom dancing with. Yeah. So we could get that on there. What's interesting is PreserveCast jumps all over the place. So people listening, some people are like, wait, the last (laughs) time we were on, you know, we were like in depth on a detailed issue. And I said this was going to be something altogether different. And this is like the fun. We're recording this on a Friday. This is sort of a fun, deep dive into preservation pop culture. And we're having a lot of fun doing this. So um, I I, I think I'm I'm excited for people to kind of get this different taste of of PreserveCast. and uh, this is a part of an effort to to kind of shake it up a little bit and talk about some different things. And so having a lot of fun here. Why don't we take a quick pause, come back, and then we'll just keep talking about preservation pop culture, preservation on the silver screen. And we'll do that right here on PreserveCast. Historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work. And there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. TTAP is an intensive 20-week apprenticeship 
that provides young adults the chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAP and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. We're excited today to be talking all about preservation on the silver screen. We are talking with Christiana Limniatis, and we are excited. Um, we're having fun chatting about this, um, something altogether different. And as I was saying before we took a break, we're sort of, you know, we're always trying to bring you different content. We also have another series as sort of a, a tease coming up um, where it's called like Authentic Fill in the Blank. And so we're going to be talking to different preservationists from around the country about their community. And so, for example, Authentic New Orleans is going to be one of the first ones where it's how to experience New Orleans like a local. And so we're going to be talking to preservationists about the experiences you should have if you really want to get an authentic taste of a community, um, because that is a big part of preservation is really getting to see um, the, the true aspect of it. So getting you off Bourbon Street and finding other things to see in a place like that. We're going to be talking to someone in Portland, Maine. Um, so this is a part of all of that. And I have a funny feeling that Christy is going to be with us again in the future to talk about some fun stuff. We have lots of um, fun ideas uh, and it's just ha having, a, having a great time talking about this. So let's jump back into it. Um, Talk to me a little bit about uh, some other films. Where else are you headed in your film review here? Yeah. Um, all right. So another kind of kids, but everybody kind of movie up that recent. Up. I forget. If, is that Disney or Pixar? Um, but up is the old man who ties the balloons to his house and sails away, accidentally bringing a random child with him <laughs> and hilarity ensues. Um, but the whole reason he ties the balloons to the house is because uh, he's, you know, pressured with gentrification and accelerated development and every his beloved community surrounding the house that he he lived in with his his beloved wife who had passed away um has disappeared and and they want to buy his house and they want him out of there and so instead of of you know succumbing to those pressures he thought his only option was to literally float the house away um so it's not necessarily a successful uh, model to follow um but it just shows that the reach that gentrification, the reach of this increased pressure from outside forces, how that impacts the communities that actually live in in that place. So we've been we've been having fun. There's been some some goofy banter here. But, you know, going a little serious on this, mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. And one thing that we that that there's value in preservationists listen to this beyond just sort of feeling like, oh, we're being represented in, in pop culture. But also, how does pop culture perceive preservation and what are the challenges and, and sort of common themes that keep popping up in the way that, that the media, pop culture, filmmakers, how they perceive preservation? And I think there's some value in thinking about that because that sort of kind of gives you the zeitgeist of, of the world and how they look at it. And obviously, gentrification, losing community, losing um, authenticity is a big piece of that. And yeah. that's not always something we all focus on. Um, it's a piece of the work. Um, but I think it's interesting to kind of take a step back and think about how do people perceive us? Because we do a lot of like 
internal thinking of how we perceive ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we think a lot about what's important to us. But I think it's interesting to think about how do people think about us? And that is what better way to look at that than reflected in pop culture and the media. No, for sure. And again, from from the advocacy side of our of preservation, it often feels like this uphill battle where we have to explain to people and illustrate why preserving or reusing this site or resource is important and how it impacts. And it feels like we're constantly having to teach and educate and that it's some foreign idea that we have to uh, enlighten them to. But again, if you look at pop culture, you look at somebody's top favorite movies, I bet you almost every single one of those has one of those themes in it. So we need to figure out how do we change our language? How do we uh, approach our advocacy um, outreach in a way that we tag into those themes and those uh, ideas that are already in their brain? They just haven't connected it that this movie that they love and totally support the, the topic of is actually the same exact situation that's happening in their community right now, but maybe they are on the other side of the issue in real life. So how do we make them understand that all those, like the goofy story that you learned in the movie is, is actually the same battle that and problem that you're facing in your community now? How can we um, broaden that understanding of how preservation isn't just the single one building being saved. It is a question of community preservation, of, of sense of place, of this authenticity of a community. I love that uh, point of view. So it's almost like maybe we could do a preservation film series. Um, That's an amazing idea. And show them in different historic theaters. I mean, you guys did do a baby program of that once previously before I got here. We did. So we I remember in the first few days of COVID that we're talking like mid-March of 2020, we were really freaked out as an organization that we weren't going to be able to host any events. And I we were like, well, we have one historic um, drive in movie theater in Maryland called Benji's. And we thought, what if we hosted an event there? And so we called them and they're like, well, we've never really done that, but we could like work on a contract. Um, fast forward a couple of years later, um, the price like tripled because everybody was doing it and, you know, we were the first ones in. But um, that first year we were like, let's do it because everybody can be, you know, in their vehicles. There's no exposure. We did this in September or October of 2020. So it was still a pretty scary time. And um, we showed Money Pit, which I guess oh, is classic. a great segue. Yeah. We could talk about it. <laughs> Um, and so that was like our, our first foray into this. And we've been talking about, wouldn't it be fun to kind of do this again, both at a drive-in, but also we have beautiful historic movie theaters yes. all across the state. So if there's a funder listening who would like to jump into something really innovative and unique, um, I can be reached at nreading at presmd.org and, uh, would love to chat with you about that. But, um, so yeah, let's money pit. I mean, come yeah, on. This pit. is like, is there anything more preservation-y than money pit? And Tom Hanks is like, if we could like, if I had a soundboard, I would play his like <laughs> <laughs> laugh thing. But I oh mean, it is, I mean, and people, people literally, <laughs> yeah, and people literally use that phrase now to talk yes. about their historic home. Yes, no, definitely. I mean, it's it's a great movie. You know, Tom Hanks and everybody else in the film, physical comedy, you know, cheesy of that time, great film. Um, but it does kind of capitalize on the worst stereotypes and misconceptions of preservation. I mean, obviously, we do know is that. It, is it a misconception? Uh, yes, I'm going to push you back on that, sir. I know <laughs> I just started here, but yes. <laughs> um, the idea that 
purely because it's a historic building that it is automatically going to be a nightmare or super expensive. That is not truly accurate. Uh, the cost of your preservation project, your rehab project, is directly correlated to the condition of your building and the types of materials and the vision of where you want to bring that building. If you don't want to spend a lot of money and you want to do the the you know the bottom shelf uh, materials and whatnot, then you can do that and it can be a super cheap project for you. But if you want to upgrade those materials and use things that are going to last longer and be that more permanent investment in that building, then yeah. Good materials cost money, and that's just how that works. So, yeah, just the the blanket idea that because it's an old house, it's automatically going to be super expensive. I, I do not agree to that. Well, and also uh, a plug for trades. As you know, we run a program called the Campaign for Historic Trades, and, um, you know, they, they hired some some shoddy tradespeople. In that in that film, it can and be very difficult. You gotta to you gotta look at certifications. It's why we're creating apprenticeships for historic trades so that there can be professionalism within uh, the historic trades community. Exactly. So exactly. we don't end up with another money pit situation. Um, in that same kind of thread of like misconceptions about preservation, and I I say this with a little hesitation because I actually haven't watched it. I but I've had so many people talk to me about this. It was a TV show, I believe, um, that was on Netflix recently called The Watchers. And it's like a family, uh, it's based on like a true story of like these people being harassed. They buy a historic house, but there is a, a, a theme or, you know, storyline in it where there's like a historic dumbwaiter or something in the historical society or the preservation commission. I forget what is like hounding them about not being able to change things and, and what the rules are. And again, misconceptions about how preservation regulation truly works um, and an understanding of how most, you know, almost all, every standard and guideline that we use for regular homeowners to improve their historic properties is not about trying to stop you and prevent you from doing things. It's about how do we get you that end project that you want, you need an extra room, you want to make it more modern, how do we get you that version of your home while preserving as much historic character as possible? But I've seen some clips of very funny Mia Farrow talking about how the Preservation Society is is not going to let you do certain things with that house. So yeah. definitely one I got to watch. Well, I'll put a plug in here for here's here's one of mine um, that we were talking about before in our pre-show pre -show meeting. Um, <laughs> we uh, so we went back to Benji's in 2021 and for back to Benji's, we showed back to the future, exactly. which is another, from my perspective, preservation movie um, it because it's one of the few that actually now it's not a great uh, depiction of a preservationist. <laughs> it's sort of a, uh, a uh, you know, if you were going to central casting and said, we want a preservationist uh you know she was with the hill valley preservation society right and she was standing on the street corner shaking a uh coffee can asking for money to save the clock tower because it had been struck by lightning this whole big story of course that right, loops right, right. all back no spoilers in case you haven't yeah, right. seen back to the future yet um but uh yes save the clock tower it's a whole uh piece of it and uh we we made sure that we had some save the clock tower paraphernalia there at, at that event, and also had two Deloreans in attendance. Um, How do you get two? <laughs> we put out a we put out a call, and and they just uh, flooded. They and, just yeah, they, people just had to be there. So oh my gosh, yes, I totally forgot that Back to the Future is a preservation movie. You're totally correct, and again, that bigger idea of 
It's not just this pretty building, ooh, we need to save it. It's how important that clock tower is, no matter what time he goes to, it is very important to this community. It is this marker of, of, of time, literally right. and figuratively. So before we go, I, it's interesting. We've been talking about the silver screen, as they call yes. it. But we haven't talked about the the magic box. We haven't talked about uh, TV. And maybe that's the next maybe that's the next episode. Maybe we'll talk about TV because there's a lot of TV yeah. out there that talks about preservation. No, definitely. Um, I think, let's see, I think, again, when it comes to preservation, and maybe I'm, I'm forgetting and certainly view or listeners, please submit your suggestions of the best preservation TV shows and movies. Um, for me, The Wire, you know, we're obviously in Maryland and Baltimore, The Wire is super important. And when I was in grad school, there was actually a planning professor that always showed an episode of The Wire as part of, of the syllabus because it showed how integrated everything was uh, to planning and city development, that you can't just go in and say, OK, this intersection, this street isn't working. Let's change these two things. And we've solved the problem. No, you see that domino effect, that butterfly effect, that if you change this building, you mm -hmm. demolish it, you build new, how everything is interconnected and you're actually creating a bigger problem or starting a new problem. So I just love from that point of view. And again, being now in, in Baltimore and being able to see all of that or, and, and uh, live through that right now. Like, I think that that's a really great example. Treme is also another great sure. film. Again, an authenticity of a place. Again, it's not quite about saving a specific space. I mean, they definitely talk about it in the recovery from Katrina and all that, but um, that is a great TV show that talks about that sense of place and that authenticity and what creates that. Is it just people? Is it the built environment as well? Yeah, we'll have to do a separate a separate episode on that, and then maybe another episode on preservation celebrities. Ooh. You know, because people like Nick Offerman come to mind, who actually serves on the board of the North Bennett Street School, which is one of America's oh. premier historic trade schools. He is an accomplished carpenter in his own oh, right. Oh, that's excellent. Um, and you know, just splashed across the pages of the New York Times, Mark Ruffalo. Oh, working yes. to save a historic church in New York yes. City. So maybe we can. We need to get Ruffalo on. Uh, if anyone listening he is... He would totally come on, I think. Yeah, if anyone listening is friends with Mark Ruffalo, drop me a note and we will... Uh, <laughs> I mean, he basically just travels up and down the Hudson Valley talking to people about water rights and, and conservation. So I'm sure that we would just run into it. Like if we just stopped at like a stop and shop in the middle of the Hudson Valley, like he would just show up eventually and we could grab him. So, all right, let's 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 cap it off. We have one last one. Um. Ooh, okay. Who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> okay. And now this is a, I have not seen that in a long oh. time. Remind me. Okay. So it's Roger Rabbit. He's framed for murder. Um, he's trying to defend himself. And we realize that the whole entire plot of framing him for this murder is because um, the evil, bad uh, uh, studio executive or whatever you want, whatever his job title is, Christopher Lloyd there, uh, was wants to demolish Toontown so that they can build what will become the California freeway. Um, so it's all about them blaming the Toons for all of the problems in, in Hollywood and in the town so that they can use that against them to demolish their beloved Toontown. So this is like a true blue urban renewal. Yeah. This is a slum. It's bad. And we need to, we need progress. We need a highway. Exactly. With, magical musical numbers 
with humans and tunes. Definitely not for the kids, though. I think definitely have to be 13 and up for this one or the other ones you could have children with. But yeah, got to age into this one. We need to have like a new one where they go back and fix the community, you know, like in Syracuse where they removed 81. Um, They need to have like a like who, you know. Who Framed Roger Rabbit Part Two, where they 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 fix the tunes it, they, fight back. <laughs> yeah, the, where the tunes re-knit the community together. <laughs> I like that. I Highway like removal. <laughs> this could be. Fun. I mean, that would lend itself well for animation. Yeah. So this has been a fun conversation. As I said, we it's 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 fun to jump around and preserve cast and have really serious conversations and some fun conversations because at the end of the day. Uh, if preservation isn't fun, then it's going to be very difficult to do, very difficult to get people engaged in. So we hope that this has been sort of a a, a, a fun little tromp through the world of preservation pop culture. And we will be doing more of these again in the future because, as I said, uh, Christy has joined us at Preservation Maryland yes. and we're super excited to have her with us. And you're going to be hearing more from her as she uh, works to do some outreach around um, a variety of different topics of preservation. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. And as everybody listening probably knows, Preservation Maryland per- powers PreserveCast. We do episodes on things all across uh, the globe. Um, but we love to talk about uh, things that are and let people know about things that are happening in Maryland. I do want to mention, and we don't mention this enough, um, that if you enjoy what you're listening to, we hope you'll give us a good review. It actually kind of bumps us up and lets more people see it. So get, drop us a five-star review, write a little note, tell us what you like. And if you want to hear about different things on PreserveCast or you have a preservation movie that we need to mention in part two of this, um, drop us a note. Um, as I as I said, you can always drop me a note um, or you can drop it to our info account, info at presmd.org bunch of different ways to get a get a hold of us um and then uh, also we are on social media um at preservecast um on all the different platforms that you can find us so give us a follow there looking forward to um talking with you again in the future Yay. and here on preservecast and uh, we'll talk to you again next time folks thanks for joining us today bye thanks for listening to preservecast To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to preservecast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation, and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening, and keep on preserving.